welcome to the True to Life podcast with Nanak Tagore. I'm super excited for this episode today. Um, here with a mentor, close friend of mine, my basketball coach in high school. He wears so many different hats um, every day. And yeah, this is Coach Fred. Uh, super happy to bring this episode out to you. Uh, we're going to touch on a lot of things, your background, how you got involved with the education field, your time as athletic director, and so much more. So let's get straight to it. Um, so with those many hats that you wear, um, I kind of want to take it back. How did you get started in sports? And talk about your background with that. So in sports. So uh, born in Florida. Uh, and I remember the day that my, my father signed me up for basketball. Uh, and I was scared out of my mind, I have to be honest. Uh, six years old, you know, seeing my cousins play, but never really knew much about the game. So when my dad said, you know, he was taking me to – you know, go sign up. Uh, I got scared, and I remember the first year playing. Uh, I scored no points that year. It was very oh, disappointing. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, as time went on, got better, had a little bit more fun with it. Uh, I was blessed to have uh, older cousins that, you know, taught me the game as well as my father did. Uh, and then I ran into a lot of great coaches. Uh, my young coaches, when I was young, um, really. Uh, put me on a path to enjoy the game and to see it a different way. Um, I remember going to basketball camps um, when we moved to Louisiana in Baton Rouge. We would go to Southern University basketball camp, and uh, there was a coach by the name of Ben Job. Ben Job, man, he was like, he was the guy I wanted to play for. Yeah. Uh, but the thing was, Ben Job said he wouldn't recruit me because I deserved to go somewhere bigger than Southern University, which is the HBCU. But um, I just admired him, just his character. Um, he was an older, older African-American male and carried himself uh, with a lot of poise. Um, and I just, I really was drawn to it. But uh, ended up going to Old Dominion University uh, out of high school, of Live Oak High School in Watson, Louisiana. Uh, senior year, I was second in the state scoring, uh, but I, I learned quickly in college, I had to learn how to play defense because uh, Everybody can score, right? Something I'm still learning right now. It's, it's very important. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So I knew the way to stay on the floor was uh, I had to pick my defense up. And uh, I was 6'3", 150 at the time. Uh, so, you know, D1 guards, 6'5", you know, they beefy. So I've seen the photos. <laughs> String bean. Yeah. <laughs> the praying mantis is what I used to always say. Right. It. But, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's how I got into uh, the basketball. Six years old and fell in love with it. Uh, ran with it, and um, Coach Capel, um, late great uh, Coach Capel, Jeff Capel, uh, pushed me toward coaching. Um, I always had a dream of playing beyond um, college years, but uh, Coach Capel said, man, you got a mind on you, so uh, that's how I shifted into the coaching world. Yeah, yeah that was something we talked about, too, when we went to the uh, Amazing Showcase mm -hmm. about how in college he was already almost prepping you for that as – he saw that to be what was next for you, which is really cool. And I use like a mentor for you in that way. In, in that way, I thought that's that's really cool. Um, so like with with your time as a in high school and then a college athlete, what was your balance like as a balancing the the books and the <laughs> and the court aspect of it? All right, uh, let's be honest. So high I love school, it. yeah, let's do it. <laughs> high school, um, you know, it, everything was basketball in in school. So. I didn't do a lot outside of that. Um, if I, you know, may keep it honest, uh, Live Oak High School in Watson, Louisiana, uh, predominantly white. Um, we're talking the down south, um, where 
going out wasn't an option for me. My parents were very protective, and 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 I understood why. Um, I didn't get a a lot of stuff that happened as far as uh, racist situations, things of that nature. If anybody, it would be the older people that were the ones that were uh, showing their ways, right? Uh, I got along fine with students, but my parents just never wanted me to be out. So uh, I didn't live a life outside of basketball and school besides my family. Uh, college, I kind of wilded out a little bit, right? Uh, spread my wings a little bit uh, and had to learn how to adjust. Um, had to learn how to really focus in school, in class, um, because I was the only one that could hold me accountable, right? Had teammates that would do it, but yeah, college was different, and uh, you had to learn very quickly. Uh, you're becoming a, a young adult at this point, uh, and then you are around other people that are a little bit older, uh, and that are going to guide you. Hopefully, you're around the right people and guide you in the right direction, and and I had that. I had some great teammates that, you know, hey, we're going to have time to do this, but for right now, this is what we need to do. So. so on your college team, did you guys have, like, requirements as far as, like, grade checks and study hall and stuff like that? Was that all the same? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess that's probably why I'm, like, a huge stickler on it. Um, we had to go to class. Uh, if we were caught not in class, uh, coaches would go around, had your schedules. Uh, if you were caught not in class, um, that was f called breakfast club. You had to run five miles at five in the morning, and the whole team had to run it. Even if it was only one person. Even if it yeah. was only one person. So that was just a way of holding each other accountable because if you were the one that made us run, then, you know, it was going to be trouble in the locker room later on, right? Uh, there was going to be some roughhousing. Um, yes, study hall, if you were – uh, below a 2.5, it was mandatory study hall um, just because we didn't want anybody to slip through the cracks. Um, and that study hall was in the evening. It was 7 to 9. Uh, it was after a long, strenuous day. It's tough. Yeah. It's, your class it's, already, your workouts, everything. Workouts. Yeah. Uh, man, it's just, again, you have to learn. And you have to learn quickly um, because if you don't, you, you could stumble, um, get left behind a little bit. Yeah, especially in the rotation, too. Absolutely. I mean, there's always a next guy up mentality Absolutely. kind of thing. With the coaches, I mean, if you're not hitting your shots, hey, I'm going to give this guy a chance. Absolutely. Or if you're not taking classroom seriously, okay, it's like it sounds terrible, but you're almost disposable in the way that they can get rid of you and find someone else in a heartbeat. These coaches get so many emails every every day. Well, it's so I always like to bring this in, and you and I have had our conversations before. Uh, that's their job. Yeah. Right. You know, and they're getting paid. You, you know, to. if you if you're going to a, you know, a big school, prestigious school where, you know, these coaches are making, you know, in the millions, it's their job. So your job actually is to make sure you're performing and, and yeah. doing what you're supposed to do. And, you know, there's pros and cons to it all. Right. Just like it is in life. Um, but you got to figure it out, you know, and then if you do kind of fall off a little bit, how do you get back on? What do you do? Who do you surround yourself with? Uh, talking to the coach, uh, having somebody to confide in. All these things matter. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's just the way life is. So Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing you've obviously you've learned a lot of things along the way. So if you could have the opportunity to go back or just hypothetically give your, your younger athlete self a piece of advice or coaching on how to, you know, go through things a little bit more successfully or differently, would you do it? Yeah, if I, if, if I could. Um, what would you say? What would I say? What I would tell that sophomore, younger self. Um, High school sophomore or college sophomore? College sophomore. Okay. College sophomore year. Uh, <laughs> it was a year, man. Because, um, you know, my freshman year I did play a little bit. <clears throat> uh, 
uh, played in some big games. And then uh, sophomore year, uh, I guess that sophomore slump came into effect. Uh, and I got to the point where I didn't care anymore, right? Mm. Um, and didn't have no, didn't have any fight. So I would tell that younger me, like, hey, you got to figure this out. You can't be a victim. This happens. How do you get out of it? And I would have told that younger self that because I figured it out later, uh, but a whole season went by and to the point where I almost transferred. And that's just something that, you know, my father and my mother never taught me to do, never yeah. taught me to quit anything. So that, that, that was super tough. So I would have told that younger one, you know, figure it out a little bit earlier, right? Uh, although it has made me who I am today, so I'm also grateful for that 100%. On, the, on the flip side of it too. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be the person you are if you didn't go through things the way you're supposed to. But obviously, looking back at it, I mean, when you look back at things, there's always you can nitpick what you could have done differently. But um, essentially, just sitting in that in that struggle and just battling through it, as opposed to just dropping the the care and the what, just leaving it behind, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's big. Um, okay, so I just want to get the story right. So after finishing out your college career. Um, getting into coaching and then was the transition from coaching into teaching or was the coaching and teaching kind of blended for you from the jump? Yeah. So, um, yeah, after college, I uh, actually went back home, um, kind of just worked odd, odd jobs before getting into coaching. And funny as it may seem, uh, a coach that recruited me out of uh, southeastern Louisiana, uh, his, his name is Coach Cox, uh, Ronald Cox. And I want to say he's a high school principal now. Uh, he used to be a rival. You know, like Southeastern, then you got LSU. So, you know, I was trying to figure out about where to go as far as school. But um, he was at a high school, at a high school that was a rival of mine. And he was like, hey, man, why don't you come on over? I need some bodies. And he was like, you you can take over the JV team, things of that nature. So immediately once I got into it, man, I fell in love with the, the, the grind of it. <clears throat> um, and the – the not knowing and what I mean by that is you can have game plans you can have this and you can have that right and as a young coach when those things are not going your way right like how 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 do you make adjustments that was the thing that really intrigued me as far as coaching how do you make adjustments what adjustments do you make when do you make the adjustment do you make it now or do you wait absolutely do I make it you know uh, on the next time out Wait, do I wait till the half? You know, am I playing chess against this this other coach? So as a young coach, I always love that that unknown piece. Like, okay, why not do this? And that's when things work out. So um, the second part of your question as far as coaching and, and, and teaching, uh, honestly, they're both the same. Coaches teach, teachers coach. It's no difference. It's just you do it in whatever expertise that you have, right, in whatever craft that is. So – I've always felt that it was – I don't want to say easy because then I don't want to take away from what teachers do, right? Yeah. Uh, but it was natural coming into the teaching world and the educational world. Having coached your – Having coached yeah. for, so, you know, for so long because, you know, I didn't get my teacher credential until later on. But I've been coaching for a long time uh, and had some success here and there uh, and, and learned a lot, you know. The teams that I've coached and the players that I've had, you know, such as yourself have, like – really channel what it is that I do and how I do it. So uh, now I'm in the, I'm in the classroom and, and uh, I'm learning from that side of things, you, you know. Um, and I've had administrators in my life that say, hey, man, like you're able to impact your team 
What about trying to impact more? And I never thought about it like that. Because your team's only the 10 or 15 guys you have there. Absolutely. And you're so valuable to them. But and how could you be for real? And it's, it's, and it's such a captive audience, right? Because hopefully all the guys want to be there. Right? They're bought That's in. on the team, yeah. right? So when you get into the classroom and, and the dynamic that, that happens with that, which, you know, sometimes I get frustrated, right? Because I'm in the classroom and then it's like what I'm teaching. And you and I have had this conversation before and I'm talking about life skills or something like that and certain individuals not even paying attention. And you're talking right to I, them. I'm talking to yeah. them, right? And it's like, man, I'm not going to get through to this person, right? So how do you how do you handle that? See, as a coach on a team, you know, if some, some person's not on the same page, you know, hey, you sit on the bench. or It's an immediate yeah, you can yeah, see a change. It's, it's, it's whatever, right? But classroom, the kids are here. So how do you, what do you do? How do you do it? And I, I'll say, like, that's probably the biggest thing. and That's probably the biggest difference yeah. between the two. I really like you drawing the comparison between teachers and coaches because I never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. That, like, the teacher is essentially, like, the coach of their own classroom because they have to get those 20 or 30 kids, however many they have, to buy in to the classroom, the lesson plans, and everything else. Otherwise, they're not going to want to do the work. I mean, you see that a lot, especially San Juan, like, kids aren't really bought in sometimes so they don't really see the point in doing some of the smaller tasks from teachers so that was a cool way of putting that I've never never seen that before yeah um counselor here so when I took over uh for student government uh she told me she goes hey you're just coaching basketball now in oh, the classroom yeah. with student government and I didn't think about it like that and I was like oh my gosh like I've I am doing because this. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's and that's why student government is fun to me yeah. It's been going well, you know. Speaking of student government, um, my, my brother's in there. He's been doing a lot of I'm working. You guys have been really shifting the culture, like with San Juan, and I probably I think it's because of your leadership too and your willingness to work with the kids and stuff like that. So it's truly a testament to you. Thank um, you. Yeah, of course. Uh, so restorative justice—that's like a major part of what you do here at San Juan. Um, in addition to the student government stuff now, um, yeah, so how'd you get started in the in the RJ here at San Juan? Uh, and Encina, because you were in Encina yes, as well. Yes, at Encina. So, I mean, it's something that I was just doing. So, matter of fact, I was having this discussion with class today. Um, I think it really started when uh, I was working in Davis when I first moved out here to California. And I was working in Davis, and I was working at a level 14 uh, facility. And level 14 is one below uh, juvenile uh, detention center. So, that meant we could restrain. We could put our hands on if a kid, you know, was having an outburst or – did something in class, right? But always, like, I didn't like it, right? So I always was trying to find a way to not... Not get to that extreme. Not to get yeah, to that extreme. Absolutely. So I uh, was fortunate enough to understand how to how to talk to individuals, right? And even in times when they might not necessarily see me, right? Uh, so anyway, ended up leaving that job, and I went to Encina, where I was already a JV uh, basketball coach. And just got into conflict mediation. It was something that they needed. And so got into conflict mediation. And from there, it just skyrocketed. And I just I learned the different ways to kind of deal with people and whenever they're having certain situations or, or, or things of that nature. So uh, it geared me to 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 do the restorative practice of restorative justice. Uh, and then I moved over here to San Juan and it was just RJ, right RJ, over. RJ. Yeah. And then uh, we wrote a curriculum for it, made it a class because it was just uh, it was just mainly a program. 
and it was under, it was grant funded, and you know a lot of times grants they run out. So we went to the board um, and wrote the curriculum. They said, yes, this is class. This is just what it's been for for a while now. Uh, and now I can teach students on the regular how to deal with conflict, how to facilitate circles in order to you know get to the bottom of it. Uh, also spoke to them again. We have to remember this is a, is an indigenous practice. This is something that our folks did a long time ago, right? When chiefs, when uh, um, kings of certain villages needed to talk figure out things, something was going wrong, maybe the crops are not growing the way that they need to. Everybody sat in a circle because everybody was equal. So they sat there and of course, you know, like they had something to pass because everybody had a voice, but the person that had that talking piece was the one that was able to talk. Mm. But that's the way that they handle situations. So they didn't necessarily go straight to a fight and being, being uh, reactive. They they handle the situation. So when I'm speaking to our kids, I need them to understand, like, this is something that worked. This is, this is what ancestors, this is what elders, and it was also a way that they passed down information. Through storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you did it in a circle, and you did it with a fire in front, which gave off the energy from those stories. Mm. It's a beautiful thing, so yeah. that's why I would say, like, no, it works. It works. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's funny thing is like restorative justice. It's an amazing class. Unfortunately, it was one of the only ones I didn't take right. when I was here at San Juan. Ironically enough, with how much time like we've spent together, um, if you if you're able to like put it in like a cliff note of like what's like the big takeaway that people t- like leave with from your class, what would it be if you could explain it in a few words? That's a great question. Uh, there's so many ways to look at it. Uh, it could be layered, but if I had to pick one thing. The takeaway. It's okay for you to be right. and It's okay for me to be right. And we'll be able to still live amongst each other. Not hating each other just because you think differently than what I think. Mm. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. I feel like oftentimes when people don't have the same agreements or if they aren't on the same page, it's just they'll just agree to disagree in a sense. But you know, they're still holding some kind of resentment or anger towards them and it's never reaching like that true acceptance. Do you feel like through RJ people can still find that acceptance even if they don't agree? Yeah, we, we had discussions today. today. So many people are caught up with the messenger that they missed the message. I might not like you, yeah. and you might be speaking the truth, but the fact that I don't like you, I can't hear what you're saying. You just shut off as soon as you hear Absolutely. It. I mean, it's also tone, too. I mean, even putting this from like a leadership lens, like with basketball and your teammates, when you're trying to hold them accountable, it's also like the tone and how you're delivering what you're saying. Absolutely. And see, the way I grew up, it was never about the messenger. It's the message. That's the only thing that matters because there's where the meat is, right? The rest of it is a facade because mm-hmm. a person could be whatever it is at that moment, right? And you're holding them and what they're doing against the message. The message is always what you want anyway. Message is plain, simple, and cut. That's it. So it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so as as an AD, so put the AD hat on real mm-hmm. quick. Um, from all the student athletes that you see uh, in all the different sports, uh, what's your what's your advice to them on how they can do better at the high school level? It starts from within. When I mean within, it starts in the classroom, right? Uh, I think, not I think, what I've seen over the years, right? 
um, is a lot of kids just think, uh, if I go to practice, if I do this, you know, on the court, then everything else works out. And as you know, when I've talked, everything starts from within because if I'm taking care of all these smaller things, it leads to what I want on the court. It goes hand in hand. Yeah. They're not opposite of each other, right? So um, that's my firm belief. Um, and that goes just – that's just old school. It's just yeah. – you know what I mean? Uh, if you're taking care of your business, the rest of it follows, right? Where, you know, where you're watering your plants, right? Yes, that's what's going to grow. So if I'm taking care of doing everything that I need to – here classroom i'm nice to you know what i mean as many people as i can be right am i gonna have a bad day yes but i'm nice to the custodians i'm nice to you know the kid that nobody usually goes to right all these things are going to make me a better player right and again those things you would think have nothing to do with the sport but they actually do no i mean what what came to mind too i wanted to write it down um it costs you nothing to give praise and acknowledge others. That's kind of what you're speaking to yes. as well. And something I heard, I think it was a week or two ago, is you giving acknowledging someone else's leadership and praising what someone else is doing, it really means nothing to you and costs you nothing, but it could be everything for the other person. Absolutely. Like you have no idea because they could be on cloud nine for the next month just thinking about that compliment that they were given. Absolutely. So I think, I, I think you hit that on the head with how important that is. So we, uh, I was able to present for staff here, um, me and, uh, and a colleague, we were able to present. And one of the last things that I did uh, was called the power of touch. And I do mm. it with the classes. Yeah. And it, when I experienced it, and I experienced it nine years ago, one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. So anyway, uh, did that with staff. And basically what it is is you have what we call healers. The healers are inside of the circle. Everybody else is on the outside facing outward. Close your eyes, right? What I'll do is I'll read a prompt. One of the prop, prompts could be, you know, touch the shoulder of someone that made you laugh today. And then those healers that are inside the circle, they go around and they touch the shoulder. The point of it is you never know how much it means to somebody. So when we did this, and even your mother was like, this was one of the most powerful things. She was like very iffy about it at first, yeah. but it was very powerful because you never know what it is that somebody else sees in you and, and how you make them feel or impact or whatever the case may be. It was one of the most powerful experiences that we had here. No, that's really special. I mean, you can even do that in the, the team setting Absolutely. too as like a team builder. Yep. Might actually steal that. Um, Got it, man. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, because it's like some people are maybe afraid to say it. They don't know how to word it. But, you know, eyes closed, you know, show that appreciation. Mm -hmm. um, and just to know that you're being acknowledged, because, I mean, even just as humans, it's what we're all craving is, like, the acceptance. I mean, from a young age, like, wanting your parents, like, just to be proud of you, stuff like that. Um, you know, athletes, they want their coaches to like them. Uh, they want to make all their shots, stuff like that. They just want to get that praise. And, I mean, that's a way to acknowledge other people. So, very, very, very special. Yeah. Um, okay, so what about the athletes that are struggling and they're having a hard time? Uh, finding like their their within or their why, um, how, how how do you recommend reaching those students, and what would you say to them, like the ones that are far behind and struggling? I try to get away from the sport. So anything that we do, I try to talk something that's outside of the sport to get their mind out of that. Right, I think that is that's majorly key because 
you know, again, if you where you stay. So if you're staying in this area, right, where the struggle is, and it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with staying in for a little bit, right, to see what's going on, how to figure it out. But you can't, like, you can't lay in it. So if there's a struggle, let's say it's just sports specific, we're going to do something outside of that. We're going to figure out something else, right? Just to get your mind occupied off of something else because then you get super zero, you're super focused, hyper focused on your struggle. And the longer you, you no stay, time to think about anything else. Yeah. Absolutely, right? So sometimes you got to step away from it in order to see it with fresh eyes, right? Eyes and ears. Yeah, because you might there, there might be something that you didn't necessarily see. So I always think about it as going outside of the sport. Now, if you're struggling with academics, right? So now we got to go outside of that, figure out, right? Maybe your success is that you play ball well, right? But you're studying, you, you you're uh, struggling with your academics. So let's go shoot. Let's go shoot a couple hoops a little bit. Let's go somewhere where you have success. Now, when we come Build back confidence. to look at, absolutely. Yeah, we, we talk about it all the time, right? You miss a few shots, what do you got to do? You got to go hit a layup or you got to make a free throw, right? You got to see it going in the hole every once in a while. So that's oh, the way yeah. I look at that's it. That's how you build. Um, I just heard you said layup, free throw. Would you mind just walking us through what your what your dad told you? About the, how's the easiest way to get to 30 in a game? I just thought about <laughs> it. That was my freshman year of high school, and he said, hey, all you need to do is make eight points a quarter. Just break it down. However you want to get those, but that's all you got to do. Eight points a quarter, man, and I'm, I'm telling you. So I went from 12 points my f- freshman year. I went to 22 my sophomore year, went to 30 my junior year, and went to 36 my senior year. Yeah, it, it actually just became real easy because the majority of the time I spent on the free throw line. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was just a fun little question. Yeah. Um, so I know you started off with some of the blog writing and the articles. Mm, you've yes. sent me some of those as well as getting into the life coaching. And, again, this is all in addition to the training you do on the side, athletic director, restorative justice, maybe, maybe not, getting back into coaching. Who knows? Right. That's still up in the air. Um, so what got you into some of those other side deals, and what are you looking to get out of that? I just feel like I was pushed that way, not pushed in a way where it was forced. Yeah. Um, I just have a knack with people, um, and I want to see people win as much as possible. Success for others. I, I just want to see people win, right? Because uh, you know, times is rough, you know, especially when you look outside of your circle, right? And I try to make sure that I'm looking just where my circle's at, because at the end of the day, my life is beautiful, right? But then when you look outside of that, you look at the, di- the different scopes of things. You know, life could be pretty ugly, right? And a lot of people are, you know, suffering. So I want to be a source of light. I want to be a blessing whenever it is that I walk out, whenever I see somebody that I can speak to, that I can hopefully uh, engage them in a way where they now can go and be that to someone else, right? That's connection. That's the ultimate thing. So I'm hoping to grow um, my life coaching. You know, I've, I've done quite a lot of research and did my – you know, accreditation and things of that nature. Now I'm a master life coach, so, you know, I'm hoping to really run in that area. Um, the writing is a release um, that, because most of the time, I, and, and as you know, this is a, <laughs> this is a stretch for me to be camera, yep. all that, right? So I was going to bring it up at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so to write is a way for me to express what it is that I want to say without, without having to say it, you know, in, a, in front of a camera or things of that nature. Um, 
I'm just thinking of ways, man, to 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 impact people. And I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, you inspire me because I remember you were uh, doing your training videos, right? Me too. And you were like, "Yo, I'm just I want to leave a legacy." And I never thought about it like that. Like I know what that is, but I never thought about it like that. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Just to have something is up there forever. Absolutely. And who knows who's gonna find it? Absolutely. It's up there. I mean, I'm gonna keep those videos, even the YouTube videos from, you know, junior high school. Even if I haven't posted one in almost been a year, they're up there forever now. So if you ever want to look back, and I just have them to go back. I mean, YouTube's gonna be around for a long time, and I mean now with this, and just keep putting stuff out there into this, you know, digital space because mm -hmm. you never know what's gonna happen. I think it's really cool that you're getting in there as well because. I mean, those articles are up there forever with your name, with right. everything that you're building. So it was like the life coaching. And I mean, I've been waiting for you to get some basketball <laughs> training stuff in, too, because you have so yeah, many yeah. good drills. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's very special. Yeah, piece, I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, what was your inspiration to get into life coaching? Life. And you've been doing it basically for free and for a lot of people. You've been a mentor for so many. That so. that's that's been the thing. It's been it's been a life, uh, just life in general. The experiences, uh, the things that I've been through. Uh, and, you know, we we talk extensively. Uh, I mean, the the ones that that are no longer here that we lost, right? Yeah. And the ones that I lost, um, the, the the trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, um, the beauty of it, the ugly of it. Um, how do you get out of it? You know, when you're in a rough spot. Uh, just life in general is what inspired me uh and the connections and 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 relationships that i've that i have with people um just kind of fuels it i think that's just the biggest inspiration of it all just life yeah. in general i love it i think honestly the part of my inspiration for this this podcast now because people have asked me a lot right I continue about just because true to life doesn't necessarily translate to student athletes right away but how we just talk life so much as a whole i just i'm so fascinated that every person regardless of what they're doing that's just it's the gift of life and then just being true and authentic to yourself it's you want to talk about inspiration i mean i took a lot of inspiration from you in regard to like the grateful hoops and is the, the life aspect of like it's, it's all we really have at the end of the day and it's like truly special absolutely uh yeah what else do we have you know uh there's nothing that we're going to take take with us that's on the external nothing 100 percent and none of it matters at I mean, the end of the, the day. The phone, you can have everything. You have the phones, the computers, tablets, the TVs. Like, it doesn't matter. And most of the time, a lot of people that have that, you know, at some point in time, you get bored, right? Because you have access to it all the time. Yeah, like the cars, houses. I mean, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a couple of kind of quick quick questions for you. Um, what are the ways that you manufacture confidence for yourself? Because I know a lot of athletes struggle with confidence. So what are the ways that you manufacture that for yourself to feel more successful and confident when on the days that you're not feeling it. <sighs> I said quick, but that's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> that, so we'll that, just that, that is a loaded question. <laughs> right? you so got. let's uh okay, let me let me ask you this. <laughs> Younger me or now me? I think now you just looking back at it. Or I just me tell if you can't yeah. if you do have both because from the younger self who was like that's doing an athlete and a basketball player and then now looking at it as well. I think it'd be cool perspective. Uh then my parents. My parents were, you know, it wasn't necessarily like just me. I was just, I was close, you know, like it was just, it was my family and my sister. Um, they were the ones that when I would think about, okay, I'm having this bad time or whatever the case may be, it would be my parents because 
the sacrifices that they made in order for me to be where I was. So it was important for me to finish this off. Uh, <clears throat> now, recently, uh, recently published an article, Be Do Have Paradigm, and you and I have mm -hmm. talked about this several times. Yeah. Uh, it's the only place that I live. I live in a be, do, have. And for ones that don't know, be what it is that you're going to be, right? Be happy. Be successful, right? When you are being, in a state of being, you'll do the things that give you that. And at the end, you'll have it. We have lived it backwards. We always say, if I have, if I have a million dollars, right, I'll be happy. You know, if I had a girlfriend, I'd be happy, right? It's not necessarily the case because then you're always going to be chasing. But if you're already being, being happy, walking upright, being confident. Yeah, to follow. Like we said earlier, as far as taking care of things in the classroom first. If you take care of the small things, you'll always get what it is that you want. Always. That's I, big time. I, I've, never, I've never known it not to. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's big time. Yeah. I like that one. Um, so you said like, your parents and thinking about the sacrifice as far as building confidence. I would like for some people that maybe don't have the supportive family, there is somebody out there that has sacrificed for you. So I feel like that rule applies across the board still. I mean, just having that point of reflection is, even if it's like just a coach, like someone has given up something for you to be here. Correct. So just acknowledging that and using that to feel yourself too, I think is big. Um, so one thing, you're really good at it, and I wanted you to talk about it if you can, is like the power of silence. Because mm. there's times that you use it in spaces where – even I remember in high school coming into your room and I would be sitting here and I'd be asking you questions. There's times I'm like, he's not talking that much. He's just sitting here. And as I've <laughs> now not been around you as much and just because of school and everything and this summer I've been away and I've seen how speakers, how they take pauses and use like silence and that intentionally and in listening circles, you know, the last person to talk and just listening to the other people and really just being quiet just how powerful that can be, the power of silence. So if you could provide a space to talk about that yeah, a little bit. Uh, certainly. Um, <laughs> a lot of times silence is the loudest thing in the room, right? Uh, I learned to do it as far as coaching, uh, teaching, is to get whoever I'm talking to to dig deeper. Because a lot of times what's going to happen is you're going to start to think a little bit more, right? Because you'll be like, well, why is he not saying anything, right? So should I elaborate more? So it gets you to dig deeper. So then I sit back. So sometimes you'll ask me a question. If I don't answer right away, you're going to end up answering because you've dug a little deeper. So that silence. It's very effective. Yeah, yeah. that silence gets gets people to you know, just, just think a little bit more. Uh, we did an exercise uh, the other day. And I uh, did it with the teachers, and I said, why do you teach, right? And then I had them discuss with each other, right? And then I shut them off. And then I said, hey, the person that was just talking, tell the person why you teach. And it was like, you just asked that. I was like, I know. S tell them why you teach, right? And I did it three times. Reason why, because you go deeper more and more. The first Every answer time. is usually surface. Second time, you're starting to dig a little bit. Third time, I'm really starting to figure out why do I teach, right? So... Same as being silent. The more that I'm silent, you start to dig a little bit deeper as far as what your answer is or what you ask me, right? Because I'm only in return wanting you to see that you actually have the answer, not me. Yeah. No, it, it's very, very cool, very effective. So I, I thank you for yeah. sharing. Um, do you have a favorite quote that you could share with us off the off the top? It can be a Coach Fred quote <laughs> or it can be a, something you picked up along the way. Uh, 
honestly, the, my my favorite right now uh, is is mine. Um, I won't say it uh, explicitly, but so if anybody knows, you know, um, at a certain point in time in the '90s, uh, hip hop and gangster rap, MOB, and it was money over, right? So I've in my in my uh, life coaching world, I've come with mindset over. BS, and I think that is uh, it is my favorite. Uh, like I said, I made that. And I'm, I'm a trade. I'm a trademark that. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get that out there. Uh, but I think mindset is the biggest thing that some people lack. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's why I said, yeah, mindset over BS, um, because I think it matters the most. Just getting caught up in all the. Absolutely. The BS out there yeah. as opposed to just focusing on what you can do about it. Correct. Yeah. Spot on. You, you know what? I did want to get us out of here quicker, but I have one more question. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to add um, cool. controllables versus non-controllables because oftentimes student athletes, but most people, it's hard. They, they focus on things that they can't control and it should be the reverse. And this is something we've talked about extensively as well as me getting caught up in things I really just can't control. And my, I'm getting more fatigued than I wish I was or like my defense or the cardio, I'm missing shots. And some of those things you can control, some you can't. But oftentimes we get caught up in stuff that we really can't fix right now anyway. So why do we focus so much time on that? So what's your advice on that? It's kind of th- – this was kind of hard, right, because this is a – that's a lifelong journey to, yeah. to, to, to get over that piece, right? There's not a one-step right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's, it's very, very hard, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> – I've just gotten to the point in my life where it's like it doesn't matter. Yeah. You you understand what I'm saying? Like it doesn't matter, right? So if it does not harm me, harm my family, things of that nature, right? Like something that um is super unbearable. Like I don't really I don't really worry about it too much. I don't stay fixated on on too many things, especially something that I can't control. Yeah. Because what does it do, right? Cuz I'm gonna complain. I'm gonna do this and do that, right? And nobody cares. Getting caught up in the BS. Nobody cares. Yeah. At the end of the day, nobody cares. Truly cares. No, they, they yeah. really don't, right? Because the people that do care will show you, right? I'll give you this example. Hopefully, this hits home to a lot of people, right? People that listen. So I stopped going on Instagram. I ain't been on since January, right? And I honestly don't feel like I'm missing anything. But here's an important thing that I'm really learning, right? The people that matter in my life already knew who you were in the first place, right? Because if I really matter to you, you'll pick up the phone, you'll text me, right? You didn't have to message me through IG, through a superficial thing, right? If you want to know how I'm doing or if I went somewhere, you would call and ask me if you really matter to me. Anything else doesn't matter. Right. So if I get on IG, whatever I post, what who am I doing that for? Am I doing that for me or am I doing that for the people? Right. Am I doing that for the attention? As we was talking about. Right. People are always seeking that attention. Right. Mm-hmm. We want that like. So. So the people that matter to me know me and can contact me. I'm tangible. That's not tangible to me. That, and that's just only me. So there could be people that disagree. But my life has been a lot better because now I'm not worried, right? If people like what I said, at the end of the day, it don't really matter anyway. Dang, that's big. I'm kind of taking it back, just thinking about how we really do live in that that social media world. I mean, 
I'm definitely victim to it. And I'll, I'll say, I'll speak we honestly. All we all are. Yeah. We, we all are. Yeah. I mean, you just, cause I'm, I'm trying to think because I remember there was time in a time in high school where I, I wasn't playing well um, for multiple strategies. I think I've shared this on this podcast a little bit earlier, different episode, but I'll share it again in a little more detail. So I remember, I think it was sophomore year. Uh, there's a stretch I wasn't doing to it. I remember driving home with my with my mom after a game, and she was just kind of like, "Do you really want this? Like, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to keep playing?" She was like, "Cause it really doesn't look like it. You look like you're checked out. You look like you don't really want to do this. Like, I'm not gonna keep on putting this money into training, driving you places if you don't really want this." And I say that to say when I when I got home that night. It was funny because she got me all hyped. I was all motivated, motivated after that, right? And motivation sometimes comes and goes, but this this stuck for the next like six to eight months. I, I deleted all like the streaming service apps on my phone and all social media. And something that's funny, I just want to share this on the side, is I remember going on my social media and putting on there that I was going to be off of it for a little bit. And truthfully, no one actually cares that you're going off of it. But at the time, I did that. And I remember for those next six to eight months, I was laser focused, locked in. And I remember coming back out of that after I'd really found myself. And now I have a different look at social media. I don't have my notifications go on. I'll go on when I want to just put something out there, but I'm not trying to use it as much for myself anymore. I just have it out there because I am trying to grow content and my profile and my own brand and stuff. So that I try to use it more in that state, in that way. But I still find myself falling victim to little things and how many likes I get on this. And I'll speak transparently and honest, authentically about it. I fall victim to it. How many people viewed my story? I don't have any DMs, stuff like that. It doesn't really matter, but you still fall victim to it. So I try to limit my time on those services. But it was one of the most rewarding things was stepping away from it for those six to eight months. It was big time. I, I remember it. Yeah. I remember. And your mother even told me that conversation that yeah. happened on the way back. And so I do remember that. Uh one thing that I want to point out with you, right, uh, and what you said. So you do want to grow your business and all that. Yes, that's intentional. That's not that's not seeking attention. You're trying to grow something that is going to prosper yeah. for you, right? So you're not lolling back, putting something in a post, and then like, you know, watching it and seeing. Yeah, it. no, I. You, I you know what I'm saying? Like closing it after. Yeah, that. yeah. It, it's it's an intention of something that you want to manifest, and that's business. Right. You want to prosper. You want to be abundant. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You know, but everything, you know, all all, I want to say social media, I want to say, I think was uh, was created for for all the good. But we know what happens. Yeah. (laughs) Got in the hands of. Yeah. 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 And it it happens. Right. So. Man. Yeah. This has been a great, great space. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I did. You mentioned earlier, but I do again. Just want to thank you publicly again. Just. For allowing this space you've been one of the guests i've really wanted obviously because of our relationship and i mean being such an instrumental figure in my life as a coach as something i can text or call anytime i remember you were one of my first calls after i heard the news about hnu um i know that we don't have to talk for six months a year two years i know if i call you you always have my back no matter what and you know to have a space where we can kind of talk about some of these things that we've talked about for such a long time is really special to me and hopefully it's reaching some people out there so Thank you for jumping on. I got the mic on. I got the camera. It'll be on YouTube. Yeah, man. So. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah, that's all I can really say is it's I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, man. So I'm just I'm just really proud of you, the strides that you made. And I mean, from day one, uh, 
I didn't know you were going to grow like that, man. And I'm talking physically, you know what I'm saying, like all that stuff. But um, just to just to see, man, and to, to, to be around you and to be around your family uh, has been truly remarkable. And that's, I mean, honestly, people, this is one reason why I retired on him. Um, just at that time, I just th- I thought it was time, man. We had something very, uh, very special and not just on the basketball piece of it, man. We, 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 we grew – uh, in more ways than one, and we could always talk yeah. and put the game and life together. So uh, that's the piece that I admire. So, no, I, I appreciate you, man, and super proud of you and what you're doing and can't wait for for more of it to happen. So, yeah. yeah. So a little bit of background. We started training when I was in seventh grade. It's been a six-year journey, and it's going to be going pretty long after that, um, providing, you know, good health and everything. So praying on that. So as I like to close out every episode with something fun, we go quick hitters on the way out. So I got three for you. What is your favorite comfort food meal? <laughs> Chili. Chili. With some cornbread and honey, I hope. I don't do the honey, but I do the cornbread. cornbread. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, if you're stuck on an island and you can bring three things, but I'm going to change it, three people. Ooh. And they can be they can be dead or alive. They can be celebrities. They can be whoever you want. Influential figures, three people on the island with you. Wow. 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 That's tough because I know yeah. you don't want to leave. I don't know you don't leave anyone out. Yeah, man. That, that, was, that, was, <laughs> that was tough. That was real tough, man. Um, mm. Ah, man. I don't know how to answer this. So I'm going to be, be can, honest with you. Cause we, can, we can change it up because this is one I'll steal from all the smoke with Steven, uh, Steven Jackson yeah. and uh, yeah. what's Matt Barnes. D- Matt Barnes, yeah. yeah. So uh, so a dinner table, five guests, dead or alive. There's only a dinner. It's not a whole bunch of time on an island, so we're going to tweak it. We'll go, uh, yeah, dinner, five people. Mm. In- influential figures, anything like that. Who do you want on your table? Man, I'm going to go with Muhammad Ali. Malcolm X, Bob Marley, my grandmother that passed before I was born. Absolutely. Hmm. Fifth one. I might bring in Aaliyah. I might as well bring in Aaliyah. She was my my crush back in the day. So, Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was beautiful. That is going to be a great dinner, and we'll make sure we serve chili there <laughs> for you. Yeah, it goes down. Um, all right, what's one place in the world you want to travel to? Australia. Hey, I have no no <laughs> doubt in my mind that you'll make it out. Um, all right, those are, those are some great answers. I love it. That dinner is going to be amazing, by the way. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for yeah, yeah. taking the time and joining me for this episode. Um, super excited. We're going to you know, keep bringing episodes out. This is episode 24. Um, Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. So, yeah. Pretty uh, pretty good timing. Actually, I just thought about that. Uh, Twenty four. Yeah. Full circle, um, baby. Yeah, Full that's amazing. Circle. So, again, uh, if you heard anything from this episode, um, please reach out. Uh, I'll leave um, the blog articles and stuff. I'm gonna put those links in the description to check that out, and you can see the stuff that he's doing as well. So, really great. Uh, please respond if you heard anything from this episode. Love to talk and interact. And thank you so much. We'll talk soon.